The Will Cain Show podcast is presented by the Capital One Venture Card. Earn unlimited double miles on every purchase every day. What's in your wallet? All right. Great way to start Friday here on the Rosillo Show, rolling solo before Jonathan Vilma gets in. He has this really intense Friday workout routine. Well, we know we talk about that stuff a lot on the show, maybe probably too much, but uh, he's going to make his way over here. We're going to talk about the U, big win against Notre Dame. I unfortunately was not here with him last Friday leading up to that big weekend, so he can puff out his chest as much as he possibly wants because he'll probably have a post-workout pump, and the fact that his team is pretty good. We were giving him, I don't. I wouldn't say a hard time with Vilma, we're just like, look, how good are these guys going to be? So we'll do that. Uh, we'll talk maybe some hoops here early, maybe a little bit later. Depends on how the Brewski thing works out. Teddy Brewski will be in the first hour. We'll do our picks and all that stuff. But I love the Roger Goodell, Jerry Jones story. I love it, and I love the guys that are working on it, Wickersham and Don Van Natta, who are both going to join me. We're going to have Wickersham in studio and Van Natta on the phone a little bit later this hour. And it is another piece that I think if you're into this stuff, if you're into the soap operas like most of us are, You're going to love this piece. It's up on ESPN.com. It's part of the OTL stuff. And the headline is, Roger Goodell has a Jerry Jones problem, and nobody knows how it will end. It's also going to be in ESPN, the magazine. And the quote that gets you, the quote that sinks in here as we know how this battle's going, is that Jones apparently said to Goodell, after he found out that Ezekiel Elliott was going to be suspended, and the backstory goes that apparently Goodell told Jones He's not going to be suspended. You don't have anything to worry about. Goodell's denied that. The All the people that work for Goodell on the NFL office side have said that's not a, that he was given no assurances. There's quotes like that all over this piece. But apparently Goodell said, or excuse me, Jones said to Goodell, Jerry says, quote, I'm going to come after you with everything I have. Then he mentioned Deflategate. He said, if you think Bob Kraft came after you hard, Bob Kraft is a bleep compared to what I'm going to do. So I was like, I'm in. And that bleep there wasn't a compliment. You don't say it to other dudes and make that guy feel better about himself. It was um, obviously in this spot, he was comparing Kraft to a part of the female body. So I've done the Jerry Jones thing where I feel like we don't like him, but if we were him, if we were given his power, his success, and fulfilling a lifelong dream, probably more of us would be like him. We might be hypocrites, and maybe he's being a total hypocrite here with the Ezekiel Elliott thing. There are some people that still to this day will tell you the only reason this is a battle here with Goodell and Jones is because of Ezekiel Elliott's suspension. I'm not sure I'm buying that as the sole motivation, and we'll ask Wickersham and Van Nata about that more, okay, because they're on this story. They've been on it for really a while because they're going back in the archives on some of these, these quotes. But it still comes down to money. It's always going to be about money for these guys. I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. But when you look at the way the Goodell story is always told, he is given too much credit for the increase in revenues in the NFL. When Goodell took over in 2006, the revenue for that league, $6 billion. The most recent year we have the numbers, the last season for the NFL, $14 billion. So you're going, hey, Rosillo, shut up. Look at the math. $6 billion in revenues in 2008. 2016, eight years later, we're talking more than double. $6 billion to $14 billion. Goodell deserves his money. Goodell's making about $40 million, asking for just about fifty. We all know the jokes about the private jet and the health insurance, although there's nothing to joke about when it comes to your health. So a lot of people will just look at that number because it's repeated over and over and over again, and people will say, well, of course Goodell's worth it. Who cares if you don't like him? Who cares if he's not a great public speaker? Who cares if the owners are mad at him all the time? They're just mad as soon as it's one of their players that gets into trouble. Look at the revenue increase. 
I would tell you to slow down. I'll never, or let me say never is a long time. I rarely, for those of you who've listened to me over the years, rarely say fire this guy, fire that guy, fire. Through Goodell's lowest moment, I've never said fire him. Get him out of there. And I'll tell you, I think Goodell is actually unfairly unpopular at times. I think he takes too much criticism. I'm not telling you it's something you should love everything he's done, but he takes a little bit too much heat. But in this revenue thing, man, he gets too much credit. Again, $6 billion to $14 billion in just under 10 years under Goodell's lead. The NBA went from $3.3 billion to $8 billion. Major League Baseball went from $5 billion to $9 billion. The NHL, from 2006 to now, went from $2.3 billion to $4.1 billion. If you look at college football, some of those jumps are even more ridiculous. The largest revenue team in 2006 was bringing home just over $60 million. Now they're bringing over $100 million. Basketball has more than doubled when you look at some of the largest teams. And if you want to open it up even more, look at the bowl games. Look what we've paid for. It's the same thing everywhere. Every one of these sports properties is far more valuable. It's why every franchise evaluation has gone through the roof. So to say Goodell is the only guy that can do that, that's not really telling the truth. Here's Wickersham on more of Goodell's challenges. It's a very difficult question. You're probably going to get 31 different answers. Okay. I think that there are people who feel that what he's doing right now is not helping the NFL. I think there's other people who feel like, you know, he's got a point. Even if we don't really want him to have a win here, he has a point. Mm. I just don't know where it ends. At the end of the day, there just is no likely success for, for Roger. You know, they reached out to Adam Silver to see if he had any interest at all. He immediately said no. They've thought about the IOC, someone with international experience. There's even been an owner who suggested bringing back Paul Tagliabue for a year to try to find a better successor. Look, there's just nobody there. And the owners already unanimously voted to extend Roger's contract. And so he has a lot of leverage right now. And they voted to extend it knowing he was asking for a raise, and they voted to extend it because of that revenue number. Now, if I were an owner, I'd go, you know what, Roger, we like you. You haven't handled anything great, but you know what? You're leading this league. You've been doing it almost a decade. There's going to be down points, and I'm sympathetic to those, even if I disagree with you about it. But guess what? You're not the sole reason we've had this revenue jump. And we were okay paying you 20. We were okay paying you 40. And we're kind of now okay, you know, paying you 40. And that's the way life works a lot with this stuff. The Rosillo Show, right here on ESPN Radio and ESPN News. A lot of places that pay you kind of based on incentives or a percentage of something, once things jump up, they go, hey, you know what we want to do? I want to revisit the numbers here, okay? When you have an agent for what I do, okay, on-air people pay 10% to their agents. That's kind of the standard thing. Except some of them don't. Okay? So when I got an agent, I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. I was like, this is awesome. I can't believe somebody even wants to rep me. I remember going out to CA. I wore a Versace suit. It's the best suit I had. I had a minivan that I rented. I was so embarrassed to pull up to CA because it's Maseratis. It's fr- it was like Escalades when Escalades were cool. You know, and I'm going, I got a minivan and I got a valet guy laughing at me, but I can't believe this place even wants to rep me. You're like, yeah, you can take 10%. Like, I don't care. So say you're making hundred grand a year. Say you're making two hundred grand a year. That means after taxes, you are writing a check. You know, for say you're making two hundred grand a year, you're writing a check for almost two grand a month. But you're like, okay, you know, I'm I'm trying to get this thing started. And then you start making five million a year. Okay. And that's definitely not me. 
But some of my friends that make $5 million a year, guess what they pay? It's not 10%. Because no on-air guy, at least should, and some on-air people are so non-confrontational that they never want to have this conversation with their agent. But they'll go, okay, look, now I'm making $5 million a year. I don't want to pay you $500,000 a year in commission. And some of these guys who get five-year deals for $5 million per. So it's $25 million. And look, this is the very, very top of broadcasting, the guys getting these deals. You think they're paying 10%? No, they go to the agent and be like, look, thanks for everything. I appreciate the deal you got me, and that's great. But I'm not going to pay you $2.5 million in commissions over five years for doing one deal every five years. And some agents do a lot more on the side, and it's worth it, and others don't. The same thing happens in the NBA all the time. Those rookies aren't paying commissions that much on the player salary. They're making their money. The agents are making their money on all the marketing stuff on the side. So I think this is really similar to your everyday workplace. If you're in commission and you're doing sales, a lot of you guys have caps because the guy running the business goes, you're great, you're killing it, but you know what? It gets to a certain point where I just don't need to pay you that much more. I'm not saying Roger should be out. I understand Jerry Jones' point. If his point is more about just the salary, because even though that revenue growth is great, it's more of what the demand is for live sports. And that's why all of these properties have jumped the way they have. If you had a different commissioner in there, the revenue would have gone up too because it's gone up everywhere else. And I'd never say get rid of Roger and say, you know, he deserves to be fired. I'm not, but he gets too much credit for that revenue bump. And if the owners want to go, yeah, we like your salary, but we don't want it to keep going up and up and up when other guys could do the job, I wouldn't blame him for that side of it either. Tune in Sunday for a football doubleheader as the Rams visit the Vikings and the Broncos host the Bengals. Pre-game begins at noon Eastern on ESPN radio stations throughout the country. Okay, so Brewski a little bit later. Are we doing Don Van Nott and Wickersham at 1.30 or are we doing it next? 1.30? All right, coming up next, sell to be the Warriors at home and everybody hates Skycam. It's the Rosillo Show. It's ESPN Radio. In life, there are talkers and there are doers. Sometimes it's not hard to tell the difference. Mike Bloomberg has spent his life getting big things done. Starting his business out of a one-room office, Mike built a company with 20,000 employees, all with good pay and quality health care. Elected mayor in the aftermath of 9-11, Mike got to work helping rebuild a shaken city, creating nearly 500,000 new jobs and expanding health care for nearly 700,000 New Yorkers. Now, there's a clear choice. Do you want a debater or a doer? Someone who can fix health care, who's done it. A guy who's unafraid of tough challenges, who has a track record creating jobs, who's taken on the NRA and won. That's Mike Bloomberg, a proven leader who can unite our country and get big things done. That's who can beat Trump. That's who we need in the White House. I'm Mike Bloomberg, candidate for president, and I approve this message. Paid for by Mike Bloomberg 2020. An interesting creature inhabits the flat, arid plains of many an automobile dashboard, the bobblehead. It's most agreeable and will nod along to anything, despite having no brain function. But when the bobblehead hears how Geico not only saves people money, but also gives them access to licensed agents 24-7 online and over the phone, he'll nod even more vigorously, because he knows you should switch. Because yes, switching to Geico is a no-brainer. Easy, bobblehead, easy. You're going to get whiplash. Last night's Thursday night football, not great, but Thursday night fantasy with Adnan, he racked up last night. He had Mariota, four picks. It was ugly. couple observations. 
Do we not like Skycam now after we all love Skycam? What was your read on that, Saruti? You're good with it. I didn't get a full game experience because I was mostly watching the Celtics Warriors game, but mm. it, like everyone basically said, it's like you're playing Madden, and it did look like you were playing Madden, and it was really cool. But yeah. when we had Skycam in the Atlanta New England game because of the fog, then everybody was going, How come we don't have this all the time? And I think the NFL is doing these things where they go, What's cool right now? And like, hey, on Twitter, everybody likes Skycam. Like, okay, let's just do a game on Skycam because rating decline, trying to be cool. That's why they're doing celebrations again, which I'd actually rather they ban, but I don't want to sound like a jerk. So I'll pretend. Can we dump that? That I said it? just some of these choreographed celebrations you go, these this is did we really just dump it? Oh, okay. I, I was I was kidding. Spence is here today, and I saw him push a button, and I went, what are we doing? Uh, I guess we could put out the phone number, two on this next topic. If you just want to call and say hi, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Skycam did two things. This is what it taught me last night. That we don't appreciate how great NFL quarterbacks are when they're really good. There was one crossing route, and it wasn't even a deep throw. It was an underneath crossing route that Roethlisberger routes going right to left in front of him. He slides out a little bit to his left, and he leads his receiver just so perfectly. Anybody that's ever played intramural football goes, I can't do that. I, you know, you just you cannot appreciate these guys that are great sometimes. It's like going to an NBA game and getting a great seat and turning. You go, I know how big they are. I know how big, like I've seen it before, but when you see it again live, you go, this is stupid that guys this big move like they do and how physical this game is. So Skycam gave us that. It also showed us that Mariota, when he was bad, and he was pretty bad last night, you go, what the hell is he looking at? How does he not know the difference between man, zone, and all these things? And this is, you know, the announcers pointing this stuff out more than me just sitting at home. But the bigger thing is, as we've talked about with Tyrod Taylor, right? Will Kane was with me this week, and he's going, Tyrod is good. Look at these numbers. Look at all these different things. We have the Andy Benoit sound that says, if you watch it from the All-22s, you can see that Tyrod will not make throws that are there all the time and it frustrates the hell out of the staff, and it frustrated the staff previous to this one. So is it possible that the NFL product is this thing that we actually watch the worst version of it? And I'm not talking from an entertainment standpoint. Like Some people were a little sky-cammed out, but it was different, it was fun, it was new. Yes, we could have been doing this wrong the whole time by just showing the side-to-side and leaving out the corners and not seeing the developing routes and just watching the football in the air. But if every single person that does this for a living that evaluates who's good or bad does it in a version that none of us ever watch, how good are we really at talking about who's good and who isn't in the NFL? Like don't does I mean, is this blowing anyone's mind right now? Like what if I told you you could only watch the NBA as soon as they cross half court, you'd never sit, get to see guys play defense. And then they come back down. And we would judge players going, I mean, that's an extreme version of this. But what if you're like, yeah, man, James Harden's awesome. Like, never see him play defense because the camera angle doesn't show that. I only see him on offense. Maybe yeah, like Draymond Green. Meh. He's all right. Yeah. If you don't, see, I don't, I don't really get, really understand Draymond. I mean, I can't really switch because he's, I don't, I don't see Draymond playing big guys and small guys because the camera angle doesn't work. And again, this is an extreme version of what I'm trying to say, but it's something I always bring up with quarterbacks all the time. And I went through it again this morning, and I go, you know, Mariota's in that gray area for me. And some of these quarterbacks have been in that gray area of where they are in this league as quarterbacks for a really long time. Do we know if Jared Goff's really good? It looks looks pretty good. I don't know. Gray area. Case Keenum, are you kidding? I don't know. Eli Manning's been in this league a long time. We still don't know how to talk about that dude. 
Tyrod. Do you think there's still people going, I'm not quite sure who Phillip Rivers is, except it'll be a Hall of Fame career and the whole thing's almost over? Flacco's terrible this year after looking unbelievable in the playoffs. Alex Smith, better this year. Cousins, Cam, Jameis, Andy. Half the league is still at the quarterback position in this gray area, and I'm wondering if it's only because we don't understand the camera angles or we don't get to see the one that matters. Straight Talk Wireless, nationwide coverage on America's largest and most dependable 4G LT networks. Uh, Zach in Indianapolis, Skycam, go. Yeah, so I think the Skycam would be better if they had a more prominent line of scrimmage and first down marker because it gets hard to judge distance from that angle. So you think a play is going 10 yards when really it's going 15, 20, 30 yards. So you're a little, you sound a little spoiled, Zach, but I think it's a good point. I like how Zach did that. He just hung up. I wasn't trying to like call him out, but we, we just did one game with Skycam, and now we're mad about the no yellow line. Uh, Jeff, are you just calling to say hi? Yeah, pretty much. So I, I'm struggling with this. I was born and raised in San Diego, moved to North Dakota to go to college. Good call. Uh, at 18. I'm 35. Yeah. And in August, I'll have lived in North Dakota just as long as I lived in San Diego. And when the Chargers moved to Los Angeles, I was wondering, am I able to switch teams? What, can you be a Chargers fan or just a new team all altogether? A new team altogether. So yeah, I'm going to vote. This, yeah, you're in North Dakota. You can do whatever you want. Well, I don't know. I, ha- I have a philosophy personally that there's two things when you do when you turn 18, and that's you sign up for selective services and you choose your team. And so, so you're just not a bandwagon. But if they leave San Diego and then they came out with the logo and yeah, I um, and I'm, I live in Bismarck and Carson Wentz is from Bismarck and he's a great role model and I have kids and. I would I would kind of like to be an Eagles fan. I find myself they are cheering for the Eagles more than the Chargers. I know, and that's the other thing: is is it too late? Did I did I miss my my pass? I'm not going to get on your case here, Zach. If you do it, I, I just think you've sacrificed enough. You were living next to the ocean. Now you're in North Dakota. I know it's lovely <laughs> sometimes of the year, not particularly right now. But uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say you can do it. You can do it. You pick whoever you want, buddy. Okay. Thank you. Thanks for signing up for that thing, too, when you turn 18. Okay, Seth Wickersham, Don Van Nott. We didn't get to any of the Celtics stuff. We can do that a little bit later because I still, yes, I'm sitting here in disbelief. Like, wait a minute. Although the Warriors didn't play their best game. But, man, the Celtics keep winning. But we have to get back to Goodell versus Jones, the two people that know this story better than anyone. Seth Wickersham, Don Van Nata, next right here at Rosillo Show, ESPN Radio. Now that Human Resources VP Ashley Campbell has Kronos for HR, payroll, talent, and time, she's managing her workforce like a rock star. She even has her own hype song. I'm the spark before the fire. I'm the power in the train. I have a really diverse workforce with different hours, skill sets, and pay grades. Don't stop. Don't stop. I'm the dream. You should know that. Now we're motivating and engaging the right people. Every step of the way. Kronos, HR solutions for the modern workforce and the people who support them. Learn more at Kronos.com slash HR Swagger.
It's the piece we led the show with today from Seth Wickersham and Don Van Nata up on ESPN.com, ESPN the magazine. And the quote that we heard through this piece from Jerry Jones talking about Ezekiel Elliott being suspended, he said to Roger, quote, I'm going to come after you with everything I have. If you think Bob Kraft came after you hard, Bob Kraft is a bleep compared to what I'm going to do to you. And uh, we, we, we still a little bit deeper there to explain what that was. The Rosillo Show today, some stories you just have to hear to believe. Season 2 of the Acclaim 30 for 30 podcast available now on the ESPN app, Apple Podcast. Listen today on the ESPN app or Apple Podcast. So with Seth, uh, Seth Wickersham with us now and also Don Van Nata on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. So, Don, I'm going to say hi to you just so we have this good. You're good? I'm good, Ryan. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it. Yeah, great story again. Great work here. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to kick it off with Seth here, and then you follow up with him. And if you guys start talking to each other to better tell the story, uh, that's even better. So if we could have somebody run in and bring some headphones in for Seth, <laughs> that would also make this less complicated. So as of right now, Don, Seth can't hear you, but we're going to figure this out right now. Okay. Um, I think it's more on purpose. I don't know if I want to hear Don. I mean, we've been working so much together. Like, I think maybe maybe a little space right okay, now. Well, he wasn't supposed to call in. He's just kind of here. Space on the first one. Okay, Seth, let me start with this. Is there a real now possibility that Roger Goodell is not going to be the next commissioner of the NFL? I don't know. I think anybody who says that they know isn't telling the truth because I don't think they know. I don't think the odds are very high of that likelihood. But I do think that Jerry, as much as he's annoying people, has, you know, raised some questions that I think other owners see some virtue in, which is basically that, look, a lot of the things that the NFL has relied on for years, a lot of the business metrics are not in our favor, and they're trending downward. And has Roger Goodell actually been a good commissioner? Does he deserve more money? And I think that those are the questions that Jerry is raising in his own way, with his own colorful language at times. But I think that more owners are starting to, even if they don't like the messenger, they're listening to the message. Okay, Don, what do you think the biggest issue is then for Roger right now? I think the biggest issue is to somehow overcome an all-out assault by Jerry Jones. I agree with Seth's analysis, but what I would say is Jerry Jones has been such a visionary for the NFL and has help these NFL owners make so much money. Uh, some of the owners, if you talk to them behind a closed door, will say that they ascribe more of their success to Jerry Jones than they do Roger Goodell. So Jones has a lot of juice and a lot of credibility with a lot of these owners. And so when he speaks, they listen. And so for Roger Goodell, I think I would be concerned that a guy who had my back when I made that mistake on the Ray Rice domestic violence case and had my back on Deflategate and Tom Brady, that's Jerry Jones, has now completely done a 180 on me, done a complete turn, and is coming after me with guns blazing and how many owners he can get into his column. I think he only has three or four right now, Ryan, but he's got about a dozen owners who do feel Roger Goodell is overpaid, are very concerned about the business metrics, as Seth said, and are listening to Jerry. So Jerry has the floor, and we'll see whether he can close this deal or not. Don, how frustrated are the owners with this cabinet that we're hearing more about that you have in this piece, that Roger Goodell, to bring in different voices and new people, uh, people from the White House, people from marketing backgrounds, all sorts of diversity, that now actually other owners are going, this just clogs it all up, and now we're just paying all this money for this new committee. They're extremely frustrated with, with the league office. The league office is bloated in the words of Bob Kraft. Kraft was really the first owner 
to make a lot of noises about this through Deflategate. The Deflategate investigation of Tom Brady cost the league $22.5 million. I mean, that's just in a crazy, obscene amount of money. Every time Roger Goodell has made a mistake, he goes public and says, okay, I'll do better. We're learning here. We'll learn from our mistakes. And then they throw money at the problem and hire Lisa Friel and Kia Roberts, these two prosecutors to basically run an investigative office inside the league office. Joe Lockhart is expensive. You know, he makes seven figures, the former White House press secretary. He was brought in to rehabilitate Goodell's image and to try to, you know, uh, make the public relations uh, messaging a lot better. Uh, There are all of these executive vice presidents that are paid enormous amounts of money, and yet all of the owners keep hearing about dysfunction. They're concerned about the messaging. They didn't like the way the anthem issue was dealt with by the league office. And some people would say this is done by design by Roger Goodell, that he actually marginalizes some of the people. Even though he brings more people in, he marginalizes them. And maybe his best leverage he has, Ryan, in this next contract is there's not an obvious successor for him. It's, it's, there's nobody in the league office who is the heir apparent. And there are people who have told Seth and me that that's by design by Roger Goodell, by marginalizing the people who are there. It's a really dysfunctional, messed up league office right now, and many owners are concerned about that. I found one of the pieces in this whole thing just so funny when it was the former Pepsi executive, uh, Don Hudson, who now is the league's chief marketing officer, did this presentation in 2016 with owners where it showed you know ratings going down, but that soccer was up and coming, and that at the bottom of the slide it said under the category of eroding the NBA, which had just done a $24 billion deal with us and TNT. Like, how can anybody take that presentation seriously when you would label the NBA as eroding when it may be the best position of any of the leagues? Yeah, they didn't, and worse... They didn't take it seriously. They didn't, and worse, they felt like they were being spun. And I think that, you know, that was last year when the ratings dip was just starting to happen, and nobody knew what it was. Was it the election? Was it the quality of the game? What was at the root of this? And the owners convened for that meeting, and what they wanted was an insider state of the union. And instead, they felt like they were being spun. And there was that one owner who, after that presentation, said, do you believe this expletive? BS, Because Yeah, because nobody in there believes that the NBA is eroding. If anything, they (laughs) feel like the NBA has made better... Uh, inroads internationally than the NFL has. And as you guys both reported, that's why they reached out to Adam Silver, and Adam Silver said no. Don, I love this piece, too. Lisa Friel, who's head of the investigation with Elliot, and apparently there's there's a big NFL deal. They're at the hotel bar, and Jones is there, Friel's there, and Jones is basically saying, this thing's done, there's nothing to see here. And she goes, well, look, this this is still open. And the quote is, with Jones apparently, on your account, raising his finger and wagging in her face saying, quote, I'm saying this as an owner. Your bread and butter is going to get us both thrown out on the street. He can come off as a bully here if that's the way you want to interpret it. I mean, it doesn't paint this great picture of Jones. How personal is this now becoming for Jones versus Goodell and the people around him? Well, I I just want to point out, Ryan, that that incident was actually witnessed by Seth. Seth was there. I was there. Oh, you were Uh, there and you saw it. I was there. I saw it. You you know, every now and then being the last person to leave the bar has its benefits. It's very (laughs) rare, but that was one of them. Um, So, yeah, Don. All right. So jump in, Seth, whenever you want to. But I guess I'll just keep going. Like, how personal do you think this gets for for Jerry now? I think it it has become personal. Uh, 
you know, I spent the summer with Jerry Jones in 2014 for this profile I did, and he wants to win the next Super Bowl more than anything in the world. It's as I said in the story, it's the only thing Jerry Jones can't buy is a Super Bowl one without the help of Jimmy Johnson. I mean, it's important to him. It's the most important thing to him. And he felt he had a shot winning that Super Bowl this year with Ezekiel Elliott. So Ezekiel Elliott being suspended for six games in his mind, in a way and in a manner he felt was completely unfair and also felt there was a betrayal of trust by Roger Goodell because in Jerry Jones's mind back in May, he had an assurance that Ezekiel Elliott was not going to be suspended by Goodell and then heard differently several months later. So it's very personal. It's very personal, Jerry Jones's legacy and trying to win that next Super Bowl. But having said that, I want to make really clear, Ryan, that Jones also here feels that he is, as he puts it, the ombudsman, the sort of ad hoc seventh member of this compensation committee that feels there's not been enough transparency about Roger Goodell's contract extension and that he felt it was his duty on behalf of all the other owners who are not on that committee. The committee is led by Arthur Blank, the Falcons owner. He felt it was really his job to monitor that process. And what he found out in doing that, the more he found out, the more alarmed he became of what he felt was a rigged system for Roger Goodell to get a new contract, an incentive-based contract, that even if the performance of Roger Goodell goes down, Roger Goodell is still going to be paid even more money than he's making now. He's deeply offended by that. So it's personal in some respects, but it's also, like everything with Jerry Jones, about business. i got to wrap this up here. Uh, what's the next step, Seth? Well, there's going to be a meeting in about a month in Irving, Texas, where they're going to discuss Roger's contract, and Jones wanted it to happen earlier, and the owner said no. Look, nobody knows how this thing's going to play out. I think that the odds are more likely than not than Roger stays because, again, there is no successor. There's nobody who's like, hey, this guy's waiting in the wings. He gets it. This is someone we can bring on. But it's going to get really interesting. I don't think that Roger is going to stay on as commissioner as long as people think, and I think if, even if he does sign a new contract, he probably won't fulfill it. All right. This is great. Check it out, ESPN.com. Don, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thank you, Ryan. Appreciate it. Don Van Nata and Seth Wickersham. All right, coming up next, the bad tease would be, are the Warriors done? I can't do that tease. Uh, The good tease would be the Celtics beating the Warriors in the NBA Finals would be the equivalent of what in another sport because I can't can't figure that one out yet. All right, that's coming up here on the Rosillo Show. It's ESPN Radio. Small business never stops moving, so Dell's U.S.-based small business technology advisors are trained to keep you up. Just call 877-BY-DELL, that's D-E-L-L, to get connected with an advisor who will get to know your business and tailor a solution with Dell PCs powered by Intel Core processors that is right for you and your business so you can focus on your business and leave the tech questions to Dell. Call 877-BY-DELL to get in touch with a tech advisor today. Celts win against the Warriors. What does it actually mean? ESPN Radio. Geico presents Left Brain versus Right Brain. After much deliberation, I've decided we should switch to Geico. Hey, sounds good to me. We could save hundreds of dollars on our car insurance. Which, now I'm just blue sky in here, we can reinvest those funds into my business idea. Not this again. First, get some investors on board, right? Nobody is going to invest in dental floss made of turkey jerky. Okay, well not with that attitude. Wow. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. I can't figure the Celtics out either, man. I can't. Now, winning a bunch of games in a row, 
It's overrated. We've seen it with the Indians. We've seen it in football. Uh, we've seen it. You know, the Houston Rockets had that crazy winning streak, and it doesn't doesn't really mean anything. Usually, just a couple balls go the other way, and then you think, oh, you know, this this streak could end a long time ago. Although the Indians were crushing their opponents when they were going through their streak. But the Celts beat the Warriors last night, and they do it with defense. And collectively throughout that game, you know, the Warriors get up 17 two different times, and you're going, okay, well, Golden State is going to put them away because they're better. And, you know, depending on what you think of Golden State at this point, I mean, they're still 11 and 4. So for people that are like, ah, they're not really into it and all these things, like, yeah, that's still a pretty good team. The Celts now from 0 and 2 now to 14 and 2, and still the best defensive team in the NBA. The fifth youngest team is the best team defensively in the league, and I can't believe it either. Here's Chris Forsberg, ESPN.com, and how this is happening. We go down 17 twice against the Warriors and find a way to, to kind of gut out uh, another scrappy win. I think this will be the first one that sort of starts to put people over the edge about dreaming about what could be. Uh, and, and what a stark difference. I mean, I just go back, like, right after that Gordon Hayward injury and that loss to Cleveland, people are sitting here trying to adjust ex- expectations for this group. And, you know, what, can, can they just get to the playoffs? And, what, like, what can this team actually do? Uh, Brad Stevens is a little bit of a, of a miracle worker, and he, he's got this team playing some really inspired basketball and, and giving them a chance to, to really still sort of have a chance to fulfill their goals this season. So you have that part of it. Kyrie wasn't very good last night. Jalen Brown carried them. Jalen Brown. Yes, that's right. Jalen Brown. Now, this seems to happen a lot with the NBA draft after the fact, and it happened with Porzingis, and Srudy's all over this. He's keeping names on a list where all the people that now the Porzingis is a stud and immediately was good. Like, as soon as Porzingis started playing, you go, okay, wait a minute. He's going to be good. He's never going to be a bust. A lot of people were going, I told you. Yeah, oh, no, I always like Porzingis. Like, you did? You watch a lot of his his Eurobasket stuff. You, that's weird, because most of you, most everybody said he was going to be a bust. There were articles about how he was going to be a bust before he even played, because he was the big Latvian white guy. Okay, Jalen Brown was the third pick in a bad draft two years ago. It was Ben Simmons and it was Brandon Ingram, and then it was eh, take your pick. And when you first heard rumors of Ainge taking Jalen Brown, I remember I was with Chad Ford. And Chad and I are like, what are you hearing? What are you hearing? And Chad's like, look, Ainge's never going to tell me who he's going to take, but I think Ainge may like Jalen Brown. And now because Jalen Brown has been this good, you're hearing a lot of people say, I had Jalen Brown pretty high. Oh, I always liked Jalen Brown. Big, athletic, you know, six, seven, great, aggressive. Nobody liked Jalen Brown, okay? Ainge did. I don't know anybody else that did. I'm serious, and I talked to teams before the draft. If you watched Jalen Brown at Cal, you wouldn't have liked Jalen Brown either. Okay, He was terrible. What he was was an athlete that was asked to do too much at Cal, and what he's done with the Celtics has been slowly allowed to do a little bit more and more. Athletic, aggressive, and a great defender. His efficiency stuff isn't that good. I was wrong. I was wrong about Jalen, and most of you are wrong too, is my point. Because it was a two-guy draft. And I, look, I'm not even telling you that I think now Jalen Brown should have emphatically gone second in that draft. But I don't know why this happens all the time. It doesn't even happen with quarterbacks this way. If a young guy who's drafted high works out that no one liked, a bunch of people tell you after the fact, oh, yeah, he was pretty good. Here's Steph. Very, very likely, right? They're, they're the 
they're playing the best right now in the East, and uh, obviously until they beat Cleveland, uh, who's done it three years in a row. Uh, we'll see. Better than the Warriors, though? I'm not ready for that one yet. Vilma's next, ESPN Radio.